My name is Herlin Riley. I'm a professional drummer from New Orleans, Louisiana, and I've been uh, involved in music as a musician, as a professional musician, for more than 40 years now. So uh, I guess we, we'll, we'll, find us, we'll find out some more about me as we speak. My real name is Joseph Frank Lasty Jr. So I'm named after my father and my grandfather because my grandfather's name was Frank Lasty. And I'm also professional and an active drummer, one of the drum business drummers in the city, beside me and Hurl. So, <laughs> great. I know you all are cousins, but how? Tell me how you exactly are all related. My mother and Joseph's father are brother and sister. Okay, so your first cousins. So we're first cousins. Yes, we're first cousins, and we're both pretty much influenced by the same people. Our grandfather, Frank Lasty, was a drummer. He played the drums, and uh, he, he actually played more in church than, than playing secular music. And um, one of his first um, engagements was, was in the Waves home in 1913 with, with Louis Armstrong. So uh, he took that influence, and he's also a grand marshal around here, you know, around New Orleans with the Onward Brass Band and a few other brass bands. And he kind of was a grand marshal. And, and so he, he was very, very steeped in the tradition of New Orleans music and the history of the New Orleans music. And, you know, so he, and he, you know, when we got to be of age, he kind of passed that on to us through his playing and through, you know, just his, the oral tradition of talking about it and, and, and kind of demonstrating some things to us as we were growing up. And when you say of age, you mean like three years old, right? Well, I guess, yes. Well, you know, that was, that was the first, I guess, for me personally, it was my first engagement with the drums. But, but as I got a little older, no, I was about, I guess when I was able to really understand, you know, and to try to imitate what he was doing, I was, it must have been about 10, about 10, 10 years old or so. And to try to imitate exactly what he was doing, you know, so, you know. But before then, I was just kind of beating on whatever I could, could no, play on. No, he wasn't. He really was a trumpet player. He was a trumpet player. He was he, he was a good trumpet player. I I never forget when I was a little boy, uh, he was in the uh, police. What's the name of that 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 band you was in? Yeah, I was in the police. Uh, we we had a band called Rock Five Sixty, and that during that time, I I played the trumpet. And um, but but the, you know the the drums was actually the first instrument because I played the drums. You know, just being in church. But then when I was twelve years old. I got a I got a trumpet from my uncle Melvin. He sent a trumpet to me in, in New Orleans, and and then I, I began to play the trumpet. And I was kind of I kind of put the drums on the, in the back on the back burner because I wanted to, I was really serious about trying to be a trumpet player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and another thing that really stood out with our grandfather was the way he used to hold the drumsticks. He used to like to play with his fingers, like almost. And something else I don't know if I'm right with this. I was told that. He was responsible for introducing drums to the church. Pretty much, yeah. He he talked about uh, introducing the drums to the church because during I guess during those years, um, I guess it was the early years of maybe the forties, uh, maybe uh, maybe uh, maybe even before that. I'm not sure exactly when it was, but um, you know, the drums the drums was kind of frowned on being in the church, being in, in you know um, that wasn't a thing that was readily accepted during those those times. And um, his association with um, there was a, 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 a spiritual lady who was in uh, in New Orleans. Her name was Mother Catherine Seal. Oh yeah, I did a yeah. I did a story on her. Yes, yes. And so my grandfather was affiliated with her, and she she also played the trombone. Yep. And um and so so she welcomed the drums 
you know, to the, to the church, and um, and he, he being affiliated with her, and you know, he kind of started playing it, you know, in the church. So that was one of the first, you know, uh, you know, he was he was actually one of the first people to actually play the drums in, in the church here in New Orleans. Wow, wow. Yes. Everything that I mean, Mother Catherine Seals just sounds like such an incredible, amazing woman. I don't think I ever met her. But I no, did we talk didn't, about we didn't it. Meet her yeah. She died in 1930. Right, she was young. Right? Yeah, she was young. She died in the 30s. Um, yeah, so she was. She passed away before, actually, before before our parents were born. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But our grandfather um, was affiliated and associated with her, so he told the stories of her, and and um, so we got to got to hear, you know. Of the stories, we you know we didn't witness them firsthand, but we heard just heard the stories. So yeah, you grew up you grew up hearing about her and her spirit and her church and her yeah. congregation. She had a lot of people coming to that church. Yes, I understand. There was a lot of people from all over the all over that came to her church and came to her. And I understand that she, you know she she did some amazing things, um, you know, through her. You know, God used her as an instrument. And she was, um, you know, she was able, she, she was, you know, she did some amazing things as far as, you know, healing people and that kind of thing and laying hands on people and, you know, through the power of God. So, um, you know, that's the stories that we heard in all our lives and, you know, and, um, you know, so. We grew up with it because our, our grandmother was a, also was a healer. Alice Lasty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Alice Lasty Hills. Because you know who her brother is, huh? Jesse Hills, yeah, that that was that's her brother Jesse Hill, and she also was a part of the healing and spirituals. Um, the people used to come to even Doctor John. Doctor John even came to my grandmother, um, and a lot of the musicians used to come to on Delray Street, eighteen oh seven, Delray Street, in the Lower Ninth Ward. <laughs> well, you know the, the house on Delray Street was. Um, it housed a lot of music. Well, first of all, the Lassie brothers, the combo that you know, our, our uncle Melvin, David, mm-hmm. and Walter Lassie, they had a group, and they called the Lassie brothers combo, and they would actually rehearse there because my grandmother had the piano. She always had a piano in the house, and so so they would have rehearsals in the house, and um, so you know, so in people like Professor Longhead came over to the house. Uh, Doctor John came around the family as you know as well. Yeah, Arnett Coleman came. He, he was he and my uncle Melvin were were in the, in the army army together, and um, so Arnett Coleman, you know, when he came he came down to New Orleans. He stayed at the house for a little while. Um, so uh, Al Shine Robinson, guitarist, he you know Eddie Bow, they were all they were all you know at the house at eighteen oh seven Delaware Street, and and so we got to hear the music firsthand. We didn't get you know you know a lot of the a lot of our peers. Had to go to records or right. you know to to learn the the rudiments and the nuances of jazz music, but we didn't have to do that. We we heard it kind of like as as infant as children growing up. We just grew up in the, in that culture, and so the music really really came natural to us because it was a part of our upbringing and part of just our being as as young people. Wow. So how many years apart are you two? I was born in nineteen. 19- <laughs> I was born in 1958. We're a year apart. I was born in 57. You're a year apart. Yeah, a year and a few months. Wow. Yeah, a year and a few. I guess I'm, I'm in I'm in February. Joseph is in August. Right. 
So, I mean, it's your cousins, but it's, you've got to have, like, a relationship more like siblings in a lot of ways. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah well, when we were growing up, you know, we, we, we shared a bed together, and, you know, so at some points, and, you know, uh, yeah. we, you know, we'd wet the bed on each other, that kind of stuff. <laughs> but, you know, at, occasionally. And, uh, and so, you know, his, I remember his dad, you know, my Uncle Joe, we called him <laughs> I Baby. I know what he's about to say. I know what yeah. he's about to say. yeah. He would he would actually take us all and, and put us all in the car and and take us take us for rides you know just 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 let's go take a ride and we just put us all in the car and we just ride just 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 you know and, and ride around the city and you know different parts outside on the outside of the city and you know and so um and then you know it, it was well, we 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 did grow up very close they were our family was our families were very very close you know and they they would have uh like on these thanksgiving thanksgiving days or holidays they would all get together and you know his dad his dad was the comedian of the family mm-hmm. and um yeah he wasn't a musician he wasn't yeah he, he was, was the only one he, he started out playing the sax but i think he gave the sax to my uncle david yeah and that's that's how that started and but you know was Harlem's mentioned about all the foundation was right there on 1807 Delray. all those memories he talking about right there on 1807 Delray. and that's also where you both lived for a yeah. lot of your childhood well we, we spent a lot of time there yeah we you know um it was my it was our grandparents house and because our, it was our grandparents house we you know we spent a lot of time there um you know i, I was kind of raised in the house uh, I was, you know, my mother being, um, being, you know, one of the girls in the family, you know, so she was very close with her mother, and, and so being close with her mother and, and going to the house all the time, I was, I was there, you know, all the time, all the time, you know, Joseph was there a lot of the times too, but his dad was, you know, always was a man and you know had a family and it was independent and had a house, you know, he put his family in a house, yeah. and so, uh, so. You know, so but it being 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 myself with my mother and you know, and she, I was always there. So is your mom a single mom? Um, no, she was married, but then she divorced early, very early on, and and you know, in my in my childhood, she divorced uh, my my father, and uh, as a result, she you know she spent a lot of time at the house. You know, she you know she was back and forth. You know, she'd be in the house for a little while, and then she, you know, and then she remarried, and then you know, but then by that time, I was I was um. I was so used to being with my grandparents, I didn't want to leave, and so I didn't leave. You know, I I went a, a little while, but most most of my childhood was spent there, at the house of my grandparents. And you know, I got I got to mention something about his mother. His mother basically really really was one of the pioneers of the organ and the piano, in the church, from the first. You know, wow. oh yes. She, well, she played the organ. She played the organ and the piano in the church from eleven years old. She started playing at 11 years old, and she played throughout her entire life. When she passed away in August, August this past year, she was still playing until up until her illness got the best of her, where she couldn't do it anymore. And even when she was sick, I can remember, I brought my mom to the house, to to the church to um to St. James Methodist Church, where, where her childhood friend was is the pastor, Reverend jo- Joseph Tilly. He's a pastor there, and she you know she played for his church up until her, her, you know, to the end. But when, when, when she was sick and she was on oxygen, she had oxygen, she was, she died of lung cancer and she had oxygen. I, I brought her to church and she sang with the oxygen in her mouth, you know, in her, in her nose. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
so she was committed to to playing gospel music and 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 that was that was her commitment that was her, her the life that she wanted to, to live and her brothers my uncles mm -hmm. tried to get her to come out and you know play secular music and that wow. kind of thing she did a little bit yeah, of it but did. she did, her heart wasn't was really not there and she you know and because it was her brothers she kind of like you know went along with them but that wasn't really where her heart was. She really wanted to be in the church, and that's where she stayed until she till her, till her end. You know what? One of my memories I have, uh, she did a gospel CD with me with the Lassie's Family Gospel. And it's a funny thing. She didn't want to play the piano. I said, Auntie, no, no, no. Nobody plays that like you. And she just got that little tinkle tinkle with her with the piano. I said, and it stands out. Uh, you know, we had the organ player, Leon Vaughn, who all of us grew up with. And through that, you could hear her with the little tinkle in the spaces there. So tasteful. And I said, oh, you can. Um, I brought her to, 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 to Switzerland with me. I was doing a, I did a tribute to Mahalia Jackson in 2011 for Mahalia Jackson's 100th anniversary of her birth. And, and uh, they asked me to put a band together. And, and in doing so, I... I brought my mom over with me to 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 uh, to perform with me, but the recordings that she's on is you know she did a recording with her with her brothers before they passed, um, and 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 um, I think it's one called a, a, a buggy full of jazz. One with the taste of with, New Orleans. Yeah, with the taste of New Orleans, yeah, and also with Scotty Hill. Yeah, with, with Scotty Hill was a band leader on that. Yeah, that, with, that, that, with that. That was um. That was the um, blah, 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 blah. oh I, I yeah I record I recorded on that with her too, right. um, I, I forgot the name of the CD, but we did that's when we did Will the Circle Be Unbroken? Will the Circle Be Unbroken? Yeah oh yeah, yeah Will the Circle Be I used to be my grandfather's favorite too, Will the Circle Be Be Unbroken? How does that go? Will the circle be unbroken? Bye bye Lord bye bye bye. There's a better home waiting in the sky, Lord, in the sky. It's right there, there. Go right there. That's that Undertaker, do me a favor. Will you please drive, drive slow for that man that, that you're hauling? Oh, I hate to see him go yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was that was yeah. that was yeah my yeah. grandfather that was that was one of his favorites and used to love to hear my auntie sing that oh my God. yeah used to love to hear him sing that. yeah so you know so the family was um has a lot of that we have a lot of wonderful memories you know being in the family and i, I feel very fortunate growing up in a musical family because you know the music has come to me so naturally and, and without without having to you know i've had to work on some things as well you know mm -hmm. just to, in in my development but the 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 core and, and the things that's you know this this the spirit of the music has, has been a part of me all of my life and you know and so uh even even now i i feel so at home when i'm at the drums you know even even sometimes when i'm feeling bad or i you know i can go to the drums and play music and feel healed you tell me you broke your leg one day you're still playing the drum <laughs> oh yeah i 
<laughs> broke it. I did. I broke yeah. my leg. I was on tour with Winston Marcellus and the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra. As a matter of fact, that was the very first tour with the, with the Lincoln Center Jazz mm-hmm. Orchestra. And we happened to be playing. We played football. Uh, yeah, because we were all still young and, we, you know, we were still like sports. So we were playing football and I happened to temp- I tore my ACL on the right leg. It was the very first tour. So um, Winston said, man, you know, if, if you want, if you want, you can go home, man. You can, you know, we'll get a replacement. I was like, well, let me see how I, how I feel. Let me, let me see if I can play first. So I went to the hospital. They put me on, um, I had, I had um, a splint on my leg. And I was on crutches. And so I said, well, let me see. So we had a sound check about two hours later. So I said, let me see, let, let's go to the sound check and see if I can play or not. So I set the, I set the, um, the stool as high as it went, you know, as high as it go. And because I couldn't bend my right leg, but I could play the left leg with the hi-hat. I, so I could, that, was able, I could, that was very strong. So, so I was able to play the bass drum just with the ankle, just using the ankle. And I played enough to complete the tour which we had to do about three more weeks so i finished the tour wow and then yeah. you came back home you were still playing <laughs> yeah, yeah you knocked so me out i did that and also I, I you know i broke my arm once too i broke the left yeah, arm sure did. and i played a couple of gigs <laughs> with with one with one arm just the right arm wow. mm-hmm. and um you know so you know but when you when you you know the music when the music is in you and um and you have a, a desire and a passion uh, the passion was is and the fire is still there and still burning and so wh- whatever you have you know you know you you make it work yeah. you know I, i've i've seen people who play who have you know have a couple of fingers left missing from their from their hands on a piano or a guitar or something and they can still function and make it work mm-hmm. so you know because the music is in you when it's in you and you have that 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 fire and that passion that's in, inside of you, you know, you're not to be denied or be de- de- detoured. Yeah. Well, I, I have to say something too. You know, um, my parents moved to New York on Long Island from 1970 to 76, but I always was coming back to New Orleans. And I was running track at the time. And as soon as I got to the finish line, I fell and broke my shoulder. So I was in a cast just left hand, and I do remember the <clears throat> I do remember the time when I used to still try to play too. I did because you know that during that time I was had my headphones on trying to play behind the music with that Ray Charles at the Newport. Oh, I used to love that, and I, so I used to try to play behind it. I remember me with this cast on and me still playing. So, uh, Joe, I wanted to ask you about that, about your parents. Your family moved to Long Island shortly before you started high school, right? Uh, no, no, or, junior, junior high. Junior high, okay. And uh, you were up there. You were still you know, following New Orleans and well, New Orleans musicians. Look, let me tell you one thing about that, my dear. I, um, you know how I used to go to the library, check out books? Well, during that time, I was checking out albums and I think it was eight tracks and all that back then. I was checking out Pete Fountain and I heard in Preservation Hall. I was checking out that stuff so I could keep this music, this traditional music, in my head. So I would go do that just like I said, but the broke on trying to play behind that and stuff and that's that's where I really It's amazing that you had that desire and that commitment right. at like thirteen years old. Exactly that's right. I sure wow. did. I had wow. that desire to 
to do that. And now I, I don't mean to jump. Do you know I wind up on a playing on the stage with all three of them? Pete Fountain and I heard in Preservation Hall. I said, whoa. You know, someone came to me, an athlete, saying, you know, I envy you. I said, wait, what do you mean? He said, you know, I get, I had to retire at 21, 22. I said, but you get to do what you love for the rest of your life till you 89 years old. <laughs> That's such a good point. That's so interesting. Yeah. Uh, what did you, if you can remember, both of you, because I'm sure, I mean, this impacted your life too, what did you? What went through your head when your parents said you were moving? Did you? Did oh, you? Yeah. Head. And and when he left, you know, talk about what it was like to leave and to have him leave. Oh, when I left to go to New York. Yeah. I didn't like it. I I really did not like it. Um, I came back home in a brown paper bag. <laughs> I came back home in a brown paper bag. And, you know, and me and my dad, we was getting into it, cause I want my heart was in New Orleans. It wasn't in New York, but. Here, I remind you, I did learn some stuff in New York because I was in junior high school, and I was in a junior high school band, and they had the set of drums in the band. And my first song that I did on a set of drums was Hawaii Five-O. Yeah, so that, I learned that. Yeah, I, I that Yeah, so they, and the kids were knocked out there like a do the beat. Wow. So playing surf rock up in Long Island. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What did you think when they when they well, up and left? You know, we're as I said earlier, we're a very close family, and um, you know, I, I was disappointed. I didn't want to. I didn't want him to leave either. And, you know, and and uh, and so, but when they decided to move back, I was so glad and so happy. And then I remember when we when he, when they first came back, my uncle Walter, we called him Papi. He was a drummer, and um. He had he had a a house in the back of his house where he had his drum set up, and so um, you know before Joe left, he wasn't playing much drums. You know he could play he could play, but that he wasn't you know he wasn't playing that much. But when he came back, you know my my uncle Pop and myself we both were marvelled at how much ability that he had that he had gained you know while he was gone while he was away, and. Um, you know, so then he, he started, he came back and we, you know, we, we were all kind of in the back, kind of playing the drums and playing around with each other and playing. And uh, he's just, you know, Joe, Joe, what we call him, Fish. Mm -hmm. I see. Yeah, yeah, we call him Fish. <laughs> he just excelled and, um, he, you know, he, he, he had gained so much, so much ability uh, on playing. I was just kind of, I was fascinated. And because he also could play, he's, he, he could play with either side he could play left hand or right hand you know yeah. he, he, he and he does he does it to that to this day he plays he plays left and right handed so he's kind of ambidextrous <laughs> on the drum set so uh so you come back you convince your parents that you need to be in new orleans and you come back and you live with your I grandparents right now. it was a fight it was a fight okay. I do. It was so a, how'd I, that go I, down i'm not saying a fight but you know it was a fuss you know, they wanted you to stay up in New York. They wanted, they wanted me to stay up in New York. And I'll never forget my, one of my cousin Freeman, my A.T. Lane's son. Freeman was, he came to New York and then he was on the way back to New Orleans. So they, they gave me a brown paper bag and sent me back to New Orleans, back on 1807 Delaware Street. And that's where I, um, I went to high school. My last year of high school was at Carver. When I was at Carver, I played in the marching band. And during during those years, I wasn't even considering the drums. I was just I could play the drums, but I was really trying to be a trumpet player. And uh, 
my, you know, one of my biggest influences was my high school band director, Miss Yvonne Bush. Mm-hmm. And Miss Yvonne Bush um, was, um, she's, she, she's taught in the, school, in the school system for, I guess, about 40 years. And she, she even taught my uncle, uh, to, uh, Walter Lasty, and she taught um, um, my mother also. My mother played French on in, during, during her high school years at Clark, at Clark's Senior High School. That's where they went to school. And then, um, and so Miss Yvonne Bush was was a very influential lady around New Orleans period because she, she taught James Black, she taught um, 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 James Rivers, she taught him, she taught um, um, uh, what's the guy's name who did Tell It Like It Is, who wrote Tell It Like It Is, George Davis, George Davis, the guitarist. She taught him, and so she taught, and she Ellis Marcellus did his student teaching under her, and um, so. She was a very, very, and she was small in statue, yeah. but large, large. The, her influence was very, very large with people that she touched, and um, she was very disciplined, and um, she was a very, um, you know, very, very stern lady, and but very thorough, and um, and so she was, you know, she she taught us a lot, not only about the music, but also about life and about being young men, being respectable yeah. young men and women. And so when you came to Carver, did you play with her in that last year? She she knew who I was. Well, you know, I'm Lasty, and she knew who I was. And I wanted to play in a band, and I did not want to play in a band. But I did get in a band, and the only spot they had was the Tom, the Tom Tom. And anyway, I didn't did I didn't fare too well with it. I I remember one time, you know, it was called a drum line, and it was a drum line where we all get on the field. One go to everybody go there, you know. But well, guess what? They went that way, and I went. (laughs) My cousin Keith, his brother, oh, he kicked me about that all the time. (laughs) I went one way, he went the other way, so that wasn't a good experience. But you know what? Come out of it. Right after high school, I was playing on Bourbon Street. So, have you ever worked a day job that wasn't? Yeah, I used to work oh, at yeah, that. I remember you worked for like a sausage that company. Sausage. <laughs> that was right down the street. Terror Street. Yeah, Mr. Patton, my grandfather, it was oh, it was tight. Wow. It was tight. I never worked a day job. You've only been a professional musician. Only a professional musician all these years. I've never had never had a day job. You you might be the luckiest person on planet Earth, Herlin. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I could be. I could be. Not to say it's luck, just that that I mean that's that's amazing. Well, I I, I like to say I'm blessed. Yeah. I like right. I like I like to I like to say that I'm blessed because you know, uh, you know, someone said to me, you know, he he was tell, he was talking to his children. He said to them, um, you could be anything you want to be in this world, except a musician or as I, I would say an artist or an athlete. And they were like, the kids were like looking at him like, why is that? He said because you know. Artist, art, you know, being an artist or an athlete, athlete, there's a, those are gifts. Right. Those are things that you can't, you know, either you have it inside of you or you, you know, or you don't. And it's hard to 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 kind of develop that thing, you know. You know, it's like an artist who who, who can paint, you know, to to have that kind of vision to to see, be able to see something, and then put it on a piece of paper, you know, and and you 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 can still see the, all the dimensions of what's what they're doing, you know. Or someone who can run fast, either you, either you can, you know, Hussein Bolt is a, is a, you know, an athletic, you know, 
he's just he, his sprinting is is so you know is is un, uncanny, and so you can train and all you want, but you can't beat him because he's gifted to run that fast. Right. Mm-hmm. Or That's LeBron James, or you know certain certain athletes, you know they're just gifted to have that that athletic prowess, and so uh, so I, I like to say that that you know. Those are blessings. Those are gifts. Those are, you know, by God's grace that we have these attributes. So let me ask, um, you know, you were playing trumpet and then you eventually decided, no, you wanted to go back to the drums. You were always playing drums. I think I influenced him to play drums. I really do believe that. I never told him that. But just like you said, when we was back there by my uncle's house on Catherine Street, I seen it in his eyes. And I think I really did kind of influence Herlin to go for it. Carolyn, what do you think about that? <laughs> well, I guess he he he's I guess he 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 sparked me to 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 go better to do better when he came when he came back you know he came back from um from um from Long Island you know um I I was always playing the drums I could always play because I played in church from a young boy but when I when I when he played you know we were in at my uncle's house you know, those few days, and I saw the improvement that he had made on the drums, you know, it did, it did influence me, because I'm, I'm kind of, um, uh, I'm an athlete too, and I'm kind of competitive, so yes, he, he sparked me, he sparked me at, at that particular time in my life, because I, was, I wasn't really trying to, I wasn't really trying to be a drummer, I was really trying to be a trumpet player, but I could play the drums, and, um, you know, and to see him, to see the improvement that he had made so fast, you know, because I think you were only gone about three or four years. Yeah, yeah. about three or four years. Yeah, you know, you know, and so he come back and he was like playing all these drums. I was like, well, wow, well, you know, mm-hmm. so it's like I felt like I was getting left behind. So, yeah. Well, let's um let's backtrack to your earlier years, your your youngster years, um, if you can. You know, what are some of your earliest memories? of of being together do you have any memory or story or instance of you know you're both being in that house on delary street together or you both playing music together in in the church you know some of your going back to some of that first thing of i remember you know we were five years old or, or anything like that wow Oh, yeah, it's going back yeah that's going back i mean like you said you well, went to bed together you know well, well no no but i'm saying you know you know, kind of like I told you some of that already because we, you know, we got together for like the holidays and that kind of thing. Um, how we were together and and his dad was would would imitate the preachers, you know, and um, you know, and and then you know, going on those on those different rides. We were little kids. We were, we were I guess we must have been. Um, we were under ten years old. We were under ten when we, when we used to go on those rides, and you know, his dad would take us out and. Um, you know, he's talking about my daddy, but he's not telling you what he used to do. Stand on top of his head. He, oh, Herlin used to be, oh my goodness. He used to want everybody to do what he do. Stand on their head. Stand on their hand. Walk. You know how you stand on your hand and walk? Herlin used to do that. Oh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I did a lot. Of, I did a lot of crazy things in my life. You know, so, you know, I was... That was that, that was the athletic side of me. That was mm-hmm. that was that was you know was there and it was it had energy. Yeah, yeah, I had a lot of energy too, mm-hmm. and uh, you know and also see when we were kids we used to also make up instruments too, because we used to take you know, um, like the bottle tops from the from the coke bottles or something, 
and and put them on a stick and nail nail like nail two together and put them on a stick you know and have a have a bunch of those on a stick and make it like these little tambourine like beater mm-hmm. things to beat with mm-hmm. and I, and we used to hook up and just get together and beat on like shovels and pots and pans and all those kinds yeah. of things as, as kids we did that you know you know just kind of and just you know having and also the kids in the neighborhood we would just kind of just do that kind of stuff just for entertainment for for entertaining ourselves mm-hmm. so um you know i was telling i was telling someone the other day that you know um my some of my first my first drum set was was my grandmother's pots mm-hmm. and the Quaker Oats grits box, <laughs> you know, quick the grits and oatmeal boxes because they were they were round and they were made out of this hard this hard cardboard, they were round and so when it was time to throw them away, my my grandma would say throw this away, son. So I wouldn't throw it away. I'd take it and, you know and put it between my legs and make a bongo out of it. It became a bongo. So. You know, so those are the kind of things that that happened, and you know, I knew that very early on that I wanted to be a musician. That my because, you know, my 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 personal first influence was my uncle Melvin, Melvin Lasty, and he was um he he was a trumpet player, and he was one of the he was one of the people that formed um, AFO Records. He and Harold Baptiste, and he went to New York and he played with Willie Bobo and he played with um, Aretha Franklin and King Curtis. And um, and he was also not only a, a great musician, but he was also a, a great businessman, you know. So he was my biggest influence. He passed away at at 42 in 1972. He was 42 years old. I was 16, and um, so he, you know, he, he was. It, it left a big void in my life because he he was the one that I emulated. That I wanted to really, really be like. Although, and that's the reason I played the trumpet. Because he sent me the trumpet, and that's the reason. But I always had an affinity for the drums. But the trumpet, he he sent me a trumpet, and I was serious about trying to be a trying to be a trumpet player like my uncle Melvin was. Do you think if he had lived longer, you about that Harold? You know, I I I knew about that, but if Uncle Melvin would have been still living, you think you would have pursued with the trumpet? Well, I I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. But because the trumpet is, a, is is very very, I mean, I naturally I'm a natural drummer. That's that's what I do naturally. Right. Now I still play the trumpet. I still have it. Yeah, I still have it. I I can still play it. But the trumpet is a is such an instrument whereby you have to have someone to if you want to play if you want to play it for for long term, and you have to have a good teachers. And you have to have people around you that that teach you how to play the trumpet properly. You know. Because if not, you can you know you can damage your lip. You see a lot of trumpet players have this have this you know this real deform mm-hmm. deformity in their lip, and um, and it's because they're not breathing right and they're not playing they're not putting the trump placing the trumpet you know on the embouchure properly, and and those things will affect how you how you play and how how much you can right. play and how well you play, and so if you don't have a good teacher that kind of puts you on a good path. You know, the trumpet can be, it's already a challenging instrument. It's very, very challenging. But if you don't have people that put you on a good path to learn the fundamental way, the correct fundamental way to play it, you will, you know, you will, you will be struggling. You know, not to say that you can't play it, but you will struggle to play it. And I found myself, you know, in my early years, I was struggling to play. My Uncle Melvin was, he wasn't with me. He was, he lived in New York and he lived in L.A., you know, doing you know, doing during my formative years of, of being able to develop, so he wasn't there to give me hands-on um, lessons and that kind of thing, and I didn't get a teacher, 
you know, so um, so I don't know where you know did, where. Did, did he see you play earlier? Oh remember. yeah, we we played together. We played together in church a lot of times. We got together when we, when he would come into town. Right, right. You know, I would play with him in church, mm-hmm. and um, so um, and you know, so I was I was I was really trying to be a trumpet player. I can remember um doing doing I was in sixth grade and I got into trumpet like in the fifth grade. And so by the time I was in sixth grade, there there was a um there was a, a hop we used to call it a hop it's like a dance, and uh, there was a live band that played and my uncle Walter who played the drums and my uncle David who played the saxophone they were, they came to play at at the um at my school it was a Harden school Harden school yeah sure yeah Harden Elementary School yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and um and another guy who was in the band was Roger Lewis he will tell you about that Roger Lewis he's a, he's a, he's a, the baritone player who formed the Dirty Dozen, who formed the Dirty Dozen Brass Band. But he happened to be in a band with my uncles. And and uh, that was my very first time being on stage and playing in front of anybody. Okay. They, they they invited me to the bandstand. They said, come on up, come on up, come on up and play. And so I learned my Uncle Melvin's solo on um, on a tune that, that he recorded with Barbara George. It's called I Know. And there's a, there's a, there's a distinct trumpet solo that's... that's um, that's a part of that that tune, and I learned that solo. So when they invited me to come and play, I I kind of played that solo, and uh, Roger Lewis he t- we talks about that to this day. He looked at me with amazement that man, this young you how you do that man? How can you do that? You know, and I just started playing. But the music was always a part of me and was in me, and so I, my uncle Melvin's influence was so strong, you know that I I you know and I, whatever I heard him play, I, I learned well I learned that particular solo because it was a popular mm-hmm. song. And so I learned that solo, and so uh, so to, to go back to to the original question, you know, I don't know if you know. I think I think had he lived, my career probably would have you know would have blossomed in another area, or blossomed in another way, but um, but you never know about these kinds of things, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that, really. When we was in Horton School. Yeah, man. I, I, but I do remember it. Yeah. me and Keith, me and Keith were sitting together at the time. And I remember when Uncle Melvin and them, and they invited you up on the stage. I yeah. do remember that. I yeah, Uncle Melvin wasn't that. there. David, Uncle no, David. No, no, um, my Dave, poppy, Dave, uh, yeah, 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 they were there. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that. I remember that. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that story. I'm wondering if you can describe for me, you know, it sounds like growing up with playing a lot in the church and also playing a lot at home at that at the house on Delery Street, that there was a lot of the same music and a lot of the same people. So how would you describe or compare the experience of your time, you know, as young people in the church and what that did for you versus what happened in the home? Ooh. What happened in the, in the church, in the home? Well, what happened in the church? Well, you already know that's spiritual and that's, you know, church music. But at home, we got to, you know, hear a lot of different music, New Orleans rhythm and blues. Also the gospel too, and my uncle Melvin was a um, modern trumpet player, so we got to hear my uncle Melvin, you know, on the modern side, and my uncle David, he blew the tenor saxophone, and you talking about somebody could blow the blues, so we, you know, got a chance to hear that. And my my uncle Papi, oh, uncle Papi used to take his hands and play the drums. So that that used to that used to knock knock me out a lot. But to answer your question is, 
we at home at church we got to do the church the church but when we get got home it was such different variety of music around us so well well for me um when i was at home and i heard you know i heard a lot of i heard a lot of jazz music i heard a lot of r&b as fish was saying and, and um you know and i heard moaning moaning and and uh uh, a night in Egypt. We heard those kinds of songs because that, that's the song that, that that was being rehearsed, and 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 also. So when when we got to church, there was a certain groove, a certain kind of beat that they played in church, and uh, my grandfather played this, you know, this 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 kind of straight groove all the time. Press roll. You know, well, it, was just, it was more than a press roll. He played he played a lot of press roll, but but it was like mm, check it, check it, check it, Jane, check it. So he played he played that group a lot of a lot in church, and so I was influenced by a lot of you know you know growing up you know you hearing you hearing a lot of music, so I I was hearing James Brown and, and hearing all this other stuff and I heard Cold Sweat. So so they'd be playing and and the the song would be going. And I try to I try to sneak a little cold sweat in there. My grandpa, my grandpa would say, "Uh uh-uh, uh, son, uh uh-uh. uh, you don't do that in here. You don't do that here. You do that outside. You play when you're playing in the church music. You keep it straight." And so and so I took that I took that and I you know I I took it to heart and I was you know, first of all he he kind of frightened me with it you know because he scolded me yeah. and so but then I started I, I I disciplined myself to play a certain way in church I don't play just to, I don't play out if I'm playing if I'm playing in church I'm playing for the, for to give praise and honor and glory to God so there's a certain groove that 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 you play in church that for me that 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 allows the Holy Spirit to come into into the midst of the service, and so and in doing so, you know, and and keeping it straight, and that that the repetition of that, and the the, the, the repetition and, and the the, const, the constant groove and the constant beat that's going on, you know, would allow some other things, to, another kind of spirituality to, to to come to come into it without being disrupted with all the syncopation and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. so. Um, so I kind of got got to learn that, and then also in growing up during my time as a child, I saw people actually catch what well, we say catch they catch the Holy Spirit, and they would actually start shouting, and and they would actually you know, I I, I believe it was real because these people would, would would shout and they would they would kind of just start bucking and 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 dancing and hit and sometimes they'd fall out hit their head on a bench on a pew or something and nothing would happen to them you know they'd have to and they'd have to bring these ladies outside and they'd be stiff their bodies would be stiff as a board mm-hmm. stiff as a board and they'd actually put smelling salts up against their nose to 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 wake them up to bring them back too i i witnessed and saw that yeah. And so, so and so it tell it told me something. It's like it's like I guess, would you kind of think that that people talk about and experience it in Haiti, where 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 they have a have a certain kind of um, I don't know what 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 you call it a spiritual connection or whatever something comes and just kind of overtakes the body, overtakes you and and puts you in a trance. And I I witnessed that I saw that, and I think I I truly believe that it has something to do with the power and the repetition of the beat. 
of the mm-hmm. the groove that was going on mm-hmm. that that was happening at at the, at the particular time. Mm-hmm. And so, because it would go on, I mean, we start playing a, a song, and it, it, it lasts 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. It would go 20, 30 minutes, just the same thing. For, for I mean, for that, I mean, so, um, so it then it, 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 it taught, it, it gave me a great lesson about the power of just repetition and, and playing the same, the same thing. Now, and I, even when I play now, when I'm playing in church, even though I have a lot of facility, I have a lot of, I can do a lot of things on the drums. When I'm playing in church, I'm playing. I play. I play just straight. I don't play it with a lot of lot of flair, a lot of uh, syncopation. I try to keep it straight so that you allow a certain kind of spirituality to come into the music. And yet, it still sounds like there's improvisation happening because you don't know how long something's gonna go. It's pretty. It's still on the fly in some ways. Yeah, you don't know how long it's gonna go, and and you know, but you're not. You're not. That's not important. You're not even watching you. You know, you're not, you're not, and, and I would never get tired. No, I remember um, George French, you say, don't, don't mess with homie when you turn playing that church beat. He'll wear you out. He'll wear you out. <laughs> He'll wear you out. You know, I got caught up in a um, situation when Earl was talking. I um just recently got off a tour. I was on tour with um, Preservation Hall, Irma Thomas, and the Blind Boys of Alabama. So there was three genres of music that I had, I, and I was a drummer for all three of them. And just like Herlin said, when I had played with the Blind Boys, I had to play the church music. But a certain, some certain songs, they did stretch out a little bit, you know. But by me having that church influence, I was able to do that gig with the Blind Boys of Alabama. Now, let's go with Irma Thomas. Now, Irma Thomas... You know her, she's the queen yes. of New Orleans. Oh, yes. Now, <laughs> I got a chance to play with Irma Thomas when I was with my uncle, my uncle David, and he had the band called The Taste of New Orleans. i never forget, um, I had a gig with Irma Thomas at, at Rosie's. You remember Rosie's, Earl, mm-hmm. uptown? I had a gig with Irma Thomas and, with, with Rosie's. So I was, able, I was able to play that. And Ernie Cato, or Ernie Cato was another one who was hard on the drummer. <laughs> but I... I you know, being that that influence with my uncle David, with the taste of New Orleans, with Irma Thomas, I was able to do that genre. So at Preservation Hall, I already was a you know traditional drummer. Mm. So not too many drummers can can do that no. consistently. And and I'm I'm talking about having the real feeling now. I'm not talking about just just to play because you got to have the right feeling when you're playing that rhythm, New Orleans rhythm and blues. And also the gospel too, yeah, yeah, yeah. because the gospel, um, the Blind Boys of Alabama drummer, no, he wouldn't have been able to do the traditional, and he wouldn't have been able to do Armand Thomas, mm-hmm. and and and, had, and they have some drummers in Preservation Hall wouldn't have been able to do that either. Wow. So, do you attribute that to being brought up in the church? Oh, being not only just being up grown in the church around my uncles. <laughs> Really, my uncles, you know, and my aunt. My aunt was a very, very big influence on me for us for gospel because I remember the time I used to go to her house and and just jam, you know. And it's a funny thing, you know. Fessa Longhair was hanging up by our house her and my uncle Jesse, and Fessa just start playing, and I'd be right there with him. And and I never forget before it was a Tipitina's. 
I went to play uh, Tipitina's with um, Professor Longhead and my Uncle Jesse. The stage was in the middle at Tipitina's at the time. So. Wow. <laughs> I find it so interesting that, like you all are saying, you were learning all of these types of music on Delary Street, and then in church you learned the hard way by getting, getting yelled at that yeah. you weren't supposed to kind of cross over. And yet, I like you're saying, the stuff that you learned in church, you do incorporate into the, all the other stuff, right? Like, well, go ahead. I let you. I let you go ahead. Not really. Oh, so okay. So go explain that to me. Not really, because just like Herlin was explaining, it's a certain beat. You know, there's a certain beat that Herlin was saying that you know, with my grandfather with his beat. You know, we do that with the jazz too, and, it, and with the saints go marching in. Mm -hmm. So we do use that same beat. So it's, we can't, uh... So this what you play in church is what you play in church. Well, yeah, that's that's definitely my, my vibe. Um, what I, you know, and also, you know, when I was growing up, a lot of the people um, would incorporate, would be in clubs and playing, you know, a lot of, a lot of the trace, trace wow. tunes in clubs, just to close to Walk With Thee or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, Over In The Glory Land or certain songs like that they would play in the church. I mean, playing the clubs. When I got to be of a certain age, you know, I got to when I come come coming to my manhood. I decided I wasn't doing that anymore. So I don't because you know the songs that I play for for praise and for worship. That I don't I don't play that for entertainment. I do you know there's there are so many thousands of other songs that we can play for entertainment. So I I, I try to leave that keep those those two separate. Keep my keep what I do in church in church and what I do on the street or what I do outside of the church, you know, for my, to make a living, I do that. And so, um, so I don't, for me personally, I don't incorpor incorporate it. A lot of people do still incorporate it. Now, if I'm on the street and I'm playing in a, in a jazz funeral or something, yeah, you know, it's a different, it's a different intent. You know, the, the music has a different intent. But the intent is so important to me about the in 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 context of how, you know, of the the pieces that we select, you know, I I'm I'm not I'm you know I I that's a personal decision that I made. A lot of my friends, a lot of a lot of my my other my my peers, you know, they say, oh man, why you do that, man? Why you do that? You know, he, they they kind of scoff at me for not for not not incorporating, but that this my own my own personal thing mm -hmm. I, I you know there are there are thousands of other songs that we can play for for entertainment you know i was in the club once and i heard someone saying just a close walk with thee and then the very next tune they're saying i need a little sugar in my bowl i need a little hot dog between my roll <laughs> and you know it's like that it just didn't feel right to me back to back you know, and so uh, I made I made a conscious decision that I, I don't do that. Mm. I don't I don't play both of them in the same place. And what about you both play still play music in church today? I do. Yeah, yeah, yes, I do because yes, yes, I'll never get away from that. <laughs> I, uh, yes, I still play music in church. As a matter of fact, I play the piano now in the church. I don't play. I mean, I I I, I want to play the drums, but the church that I'm in, that I'm, I I serve at. There's no musician there, you know, all the, you know, I've tried to get a musician for about five years, trying to get a, a piano player to just come in and play for the church service. And so there, you know, all the, all the church musicians that I know of 
or committed to other churches. So I have a little skill at the piano, and so I just play the, I play the church, I play the piano in the church just to carry the service along. I was going to ask you, you know, you, you, the church was so important for you growing up, especially with, with music and you're still, you both still go to church and are involved, but how, how have you seen, um, the church experience evolve over all these years? You know, is the way you go to church now, does it feel familiar to how you went as a kid? No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. The church, the church, um, today is, um, you know, it's it's a, uh, it's a a lot of a lot of it is about about you know financial gain, exactly. you know, and uh and you know the intent as I as I was speaking of intent earlier, you know, and I don't want I don't want to put putting out any, any real indictments on anybody or any, or any any kind of religion or anything, but it's a different thing now, and um you know as a matter of fact I know a lot of the musicians who play in church man they they talk about I mean I got I got my gig, my gig is my gig on Sundays at the church, man. I got to go make my gig on Sunday, and so to me, that's not it, it's you know, it's, it's that's not a gig for me. No, it wasn't you know, you all weren't getting paid to play in church. No, no, no. I still don't get paid to play in church. That that they've had, I've had ministers to come to me and offer me or give me an envelope or something like that, you know, with some money in it or something, and I refuse it. Because it's not my intent. I'm not there to make money. I'm I'm there to serve God, and to serve and to give praise and honor and glory to God. So He's blessed me with this talent. So He's blessed me well enough where that where I can make money outside of the church. I do make money. I've made a living for forty something years outside. Of, I've raised a whole family. I have five children. I have ten grandchildren. My wife doesn't work. I play music for a living. So I'm not going to go to the church and and exploit the church and take money out of it. To you know, so so God has blessed me, and so I don't do that. I don't. I, that's for me. That's a personal thing for me, and I don't. You know, other musicians who do it, you know, that's their thing, and that's their own relationship that they have with God. Right. Me personally, I don't take a dime from the church to play to play music in the church. So, what was the name of the church that you all grew up in, and what happened to it? The Israelite Spiritual Church. Say that again. The Israelite Spiritual Church. Well. That was one of them, but that was one of them. That was that was what that's what Bishop Bishop Johnson was. But the church that the real church that we grew up was was, was called Guiding Star Spiritual Church. Guiding Star Spiritual Church. It was in the Lower Ninth Ward on on Durbany, Durbany and ben, Benson Street, Benson Street, and um. And what happened? Katrina washed it away. Katrina first well, no before Katrina there was a fire. There was a fire in the church, and then. Then Katrina washed away. It was a little storefront church. It wasn't very big at all. It was a small, very small church, and um, so it got washed away in, in the storm. And um, as a matter of fact, our grandfather had, you know, he 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 was so committed to the church, he actually, you know, he he put up his money to buy the land and buy, you know, to 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 help them build a church there, and um, you know, so so he um. He was committed to the church that way, and and then you know he passed away, and then the, the church got washed away, and you know so it's 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 it's, it's somewhere in the his in our memory. It's yeah. in our memory now. It's a white church. My mother name is Desmond. My mother's a Desmond. So her father Emil Desmond, he also played drums, drums in church. So my fond memory of me sitting. That's down, why you're ambidextrous. Yeah. 
actually. <laughs> Could be. You're right. right. I never thought about that. So my memories are watching me sitting on the floor and watching him play the drums. So I got a chance to see both of my grandfather play drums. So I, I come out playing drums. Yeah. Wow. wow. Sure did. One thing I wanted to ask was, you know, people, there's a lot of conversations now about, you know, uh, preserving New Orleans music, teaching young people so that these traditions stay on. I'm curious specifically about the Lasty family. You know, you all are in the same generation of the Lasty family. Who is who is below y'all that's going to keep the Lasty family a New Orleans musical family? Oh, you know, it's un- so unfortunate, so unfortunate. We had I've lost two nephews um, who, were, who were actually musicians. Um, as a matter of fact, I just lost one of my nephews who played the tuba. Um, he, he, he passed away in September, this past September. And um, his brother played the trombone. He passed, he, you know, he was killed in 2004. The police killed him in 2004. He was, you know, so it's, it's a long story. But they were they were founding members of the Hot 8 Brass Band. They were the founding, because the Hot 8 Brass Band also started at 1807 Delary Street. In the lot, there was a, a, a lot that was right next door to 1807 Delaware Street. My mother was in the house, and she had my, my two nephews, Joseph Williams and uh, Iron Macklin. They were, they were brothers. And um, so Iron played the tuba. Joseph played the trombone. And they they got together with um, some Benny Pete and... Um, and uh, what's what's what swamp name? Cook. What's his name? Um, swamp. Henry, 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 Henry. Harry, Harry Harry Cook. Cook. Harry Cook. And and then Shamar. Uh, that's well. I think the narrow shavers was it. He got he got he was killed. Was all, uh, another one. So um, so they they all started the Hot Eight Brass Band on Delaware Street, and um, so and we were looking for them to be the next generation. Of musicians to keep on the legacy, to keep the legacy up. Now I'm, you know, now I'm, I'm looking now to my grandchildren to, yeah. to see if, if any of my grandchildren. I have a granddaughter who's actually, who, who's, who, who wants to sing. She's a singer. She, she's trying to sing. She's like ten years old, and she's, she, she, she has a passion for. She has a passion for singing. And uh, I have another granddaughter who's like eight, seventeen. She's like studying classical music and you know studying vocal classical. Uh, vocalizations and so uh so you know i'm looking to them now to, you know i'm looking around to see if any of my grandchildren will, will pick up the torch but um we were expecting joseph and, and Aaron to to be the next generation unfortunately they passed away that's horrible i'm sorry my daughter she started in a band called the little jasmine oh, yeah yeah right. and she didn't pursue it but Aaron and joseph did out of that same band Cause they always in the band together with that band, the little Jasmine. But man, I have all girls now, and now I look like no one's, you know, I'm passing the torch, you know. You know, but you never know. You never know. You never know. Right. You still have hope. Right. Yeah, we have the Pinettes. We gotta get more more women oh, playing oh, brass the music. Uh, the Pinettes. <laughs> the Pinettes. Uh, wow, my daughters were actually founding members of the Pinettes, mm-hmm. Terrell, Terrell Riley, and Kendall Riley. Terrell, they were all this, the band started at St. Mary's uh, Academy, and, and um, so they were all in the band. There was this guy named um, Herbert. What's Herbert? Uh, what's the Herbert? Jeffrey Herbert. Jeffrey Herbert 
played in the in in the pinstripe brass band. He played in the, so he was the band director at at um, St. Mary's Academy. So when my daughters were there. My daughter Terrell played the saxophone. Mm-hmm. My daughter Kendra played the clarinet and the and the drums she, in the snare drum. So when they started the band, um, they were a part of the band. They were part of the, they, it. It formed from their marching band. It came out of their marching band, and uh, because the because the Jeffrey Herbert was play, played in the pinstripe band, he he called them the pinettes. That's where the name comes from. Wow. That's wow. where the name comes from. And so, um, but my daughters, Kendra, Kendra, her name is Kendra Riley and Terrell Riley. They were part of the band, and and uh, but they, you know, when they graduated high school, they they pursued other professions. My daughter Kendra now is a teacher. She's a high school teacher. My daughter Terrell is a nurse. She's a um, a, um what do you call it? A home health nurse. And so, um, so they pursued other careers, and I'm kind of I'm kind of glad. Um, that they went another direction other than music because music is hard is a hard profession for a man and um, it's it seemed to be doubly hard for women mm-hmm. and so uh, I'm kind of I'm glad that they that they delved into it and that and, you know they have an appreciation for it and I can talk with my daughter Terrell about certain things because she went to NOCA she went to actually she was mm-hmm. kind of trying to pursue the saxophone for a while she was at NOCA with Irving Mayfield and mm-hmm. And uh, Leon Kid Chocolate Brown and you know some of those guys, she was at Noka with them, and so she has an understanding for chord changes and 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 you know harmonies and that kind of thing. And so I I'm glad I can I can engage her in certain kind of conversations about music, but and but as far as a profession goes, I'm glad that she went another way. You know. Mm-hmm. All right, this is a kind of a joke question, right. but do you ever wish that? Uh, like when you were younger, I'm sure now not at all. But you know, you're part of this Lasky family. But you got, you got a different last name. Was there ever a part of you that was like, man, I wish I was a Lasty? Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I, I, you know, my name is Riley, and so, uh, but the Lasties, you know, my uncle Melvin was my 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 hero. You know, he was my hero, and and um, for a long time, and I would play, and and even playing around the city. You know, a lot of the older musicians who who knew him, and you know, when I was starting to come up, they would actually, you know, call me Lasty. Come here, little Lasty. You know, and uh, you know, and I, and I took that with pride because you know, my, you know, because that was my that's the family legacy, the musical legacy of the family, the Lasties. And so, uh, for me to be a part, you know, to be recognized with them, you know, I, I would welcome. But you know, you know, every everybody has to take their own path, and every you know. Um, domestic situations dictate other things, and so uh, I was wishing he would have changed his name earlier. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Joe is just gonna start calling you Herlin Lasty. Hey, that's my cousin Herlin Lasty. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Did you ever think about changing your name? Of course, of course. But you know, you know, but. Um, and then after after a while, but you know, I, of course, when I was younger, I, I I thought about changing my name. But then I got to be old, and I got to be a man, and and all of my adult life, I've been I've been I've been someone's father. I've been married since I was eighteen years old. I got married when I was eighteen years old. Had my first child when I was nineteen, and so then you know, so to change my name with you know with a whole it's a whole stuff that got, got that has to go with that. Right. So. Uh, when I became of age to be able to do that, 
I decided, nah, I won't. Leave it, leave it alone. Okay, last question. Is there a song? Um, I mean, I imagine that there's a hundred songs, but if you both have to think of the song that most ties you back to to the lasties, to your family. When the saints go marching in for me. Well, Oopoopadu ties me to the family because uh, it's it's my uncle Jesse Hill who's singing it. It's my grandmother's brother, and he he sings the song. My uncle David last year played plays the, the saxophone solo on it. As a matter of fact, part two of Oopoopadu is mostly the saxophone, and so um, you know. And to let you know, Jesse Hill, who made Oopoopadu, is trombone shorty and James Andrews' uh, grandfather. And so, so we're t- we're connected to them as well, and so, um, so when I hear Oopoo Padu, it, it I think he, he, I think that was cut like in 1960 or 61 or something like that, and 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 I can remember just just going to the just just playing it over and over and over, mm-hmm. just to hear, and hearing Uncle David play the saxophone. I really wanted to play the saxophone because I was because I heard Uncle David playing that solo on Oopoo Padu so so long so so. Uh, so Upupadu ties the family, ties the whole family thing for me. And then also I know, I know, but um, the baby um, it was cut by Barbara George, and my uncle Melvin played the trumpet solo on that. So those two songs are, are very very uh, stand out for me as far as the family is concerned. And how does Upupadu go? I've heard it. The, the beginning of it, yo. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, he, he, he yo, had, he, you know he was one of the ones with the tambourine. Started, kind of started the tambourine. Yeah. Thing. You had that, you hear that tambourine. And, oh yeah. I wanna <laughs> tell you about Oopoopadoo. Yeah. Baby, they call me the most. Oopoopadoo. Baby, they call me the most. Well, I won't stop trying till I create disturbance in your mind. You hear that saying? That's always was a, a New Orleans rhythm and blues. <laughs> the Saints go marching in. I always remember the Saints go marching in in church. When we used to take the candles, and at the end of the service, I heard we they used to yeah. play when the Saints go marching in, they used to march around with the candles and around the whole church. That's one of the songs that sticks with me. And to today, you know, yeah, I, I know Herlin say that he don't play it, but I do play that song when the Saints go marching in. You're not going to come on my bandstand and tell me you're not going to play when the Saints go marching in because it's, it's a part of New Orleans that the world wants to hear. Trust me on that. When the Saints, that's the second most requested song is when the Saints go marching in. And also on a sad note, you know, our Uncle Walter Papi, he passed away playing when the Saints go marching. Mm. Yeah, he passed away on the street at St. Peter and Royal Street. He was playing when the Saints go marching, and they were they were they were one of the few one of the first bands to ever play on the streets in New Orleans. Uh, and French monkey jazz band. The French monkey, yeah. <laughs> and what happened was that they had the crowd was so thick around the around around them when they were playing because there there weren't many people there weren't. A lot of people doing that at that no. time. They were like the only ones who were actually playing on the street at that particular time. This this was in 1979. He passed away in 1979. Well, 80, 1980. Yeah. 
And um, so they were playing when the Saints go marching in. And that, at the end of traditional traditional songs in New Orleans, the, the drummer plays like a four-bar tag at the end of it. And during, this, during his four-bar tag, like a drum solo for four bars, and then the band comes back in with the last eight uh, bars of the, of the melody. But during his four bars of the drum solo, he, um, he took with a massive heart attack while he was playing the drums, kicked the bass drum real, real hard, and fell over the back of the, ba- over the, back of the, the stool, onto the ground, onto the ground in, 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 on the street. And they called 911 and called the ambulance to pick him up, and the crowd was so dense and so thick, they couldn't get to him in time. And so he passed away oh my doing that. So, so when the Saints go marching, I guess that 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 does has has a lot of significance to to you, you know. Wow. And then also doing and and doing the church the church services that mm-hmm. that Fish is talking about. My grandfather would play the, he would play the drums. He wouldn't let anybody play that song but him. Mm-hmm. If we were sitting around waiting to play, no, 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 no. I got I got this one. <laughs> I got this one. Y'all go sit down. I, I got this one. So that was his song. That was his song to play in church. Wow. Yeah. I just realized that also because you both play the same instrument, you can hardly play together, right? Like, do you, have you ever all played in the same band or played together? I mean, how would that work? Well, we only, the only time we get to, to do that is in a brass band kind of setting, you know, um, when there's different drums. Yeah. yeah. yeah he played the bass drum, I played the snare drum, uh, vice versa. So we both capable of doing boat boat drums in a brass band. So what's the story with you and and bringing the tambourine to the tambourine didn't exist in in jazz uh, you before? That, yeah, what's up yeah. with that? Well, with, um, well, as I said earlier, I played with Winston Marcellus, and uh, I played with him for seventeen years. And in doing so, um, Winston he would say, "Man, bring everything you got to the bandstand, everything." So when I first started playing with him. I would, play, you know, I brought, I brought cowbells. I still play the cowbell on my set. I had a gong. I had, um, I played washboards. I played, um, played the tambourine. I had wood blocks. I had all kind of these, all these auxiliary uh, percussive instruments that I would play, and I would incorporate them into into playing on the drum set. So Winston's began to write write pieces that that featured me playing the, the tambourine. Um, one, piece, one piece is called Sunflower. He wrote a piece on on um, Blood on the Fields called um, God Don't Like Ugly. I'm playing all tambourine. Um, there there uh, there are a few pieces now that that he's that he's written for me to play tambourine on. And so so in doing that, and then went, you know Winton being like one of the most popular jazz artists in the world, um, people started hearing the, hearing the tambourine. And so and it didn't hear and in hearing it, they want you know. They wanted to know who well, who's playing the tambourine, so I started playing, and now it's part of my my whole um, my, my my show. When I do my show, I open my show with playing yeah. the tambourine, and also uh, that I, I you know I've, I've done you know playing and playing in, in 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 different concerts and that kind of thing. You can see on this poster here, I'm playing the tambourine, and I'm dancing, and so I've come out to the band, to the front of the stage, and I dance and play the tambourine, and so it's it's become a thing now, and. Um, so you never know where where things where, where things are going to take you, and the tambourine comes directly, directly from my experiences in church, you know, because I saw the sisters playing the tambourine in church and and and, and, and yeah, but but more than Uncle Jesse, he got he got it from the church too, yeah, but but 
I saw people playing the tambourine because he, he when Uncle Jesse played the tambourine, he, he didn't have the head on it. He just played the the, the, the oh, yeah. round. But that's I I saw these sisters playing it and they had the head on it and they would pop the head and that kind of thing. And so, till my that comes directly from the church for me. How did you get the nickname Fish? My uncle Melvin, my uncle Melvin gave me that name. He said when I came out, I looked like a little goldfish. Goldfish. <laughs> you know. Our hey. family was they, they they gave everybody names. They, you know, his his name happened to just stick. It just yes. stuck with him over the years. You know, but we all had nicknames. Everybody had a nickname. What was? Weasel. Oh, that was the weasel. And so, uh, yeah. So, and then also he also called me Papa Knots. Mm-hmm. So everybody had a nickname, and um, so. Nanny gave you that name, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Between the two of them, I can't remember. Yeah, between the two of them, because you know, because they were married. But anyway, yeah. So we all had nicknames, and you know, his 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 nickname just happened to stick over the years. Yeah, Joe Fish. Especially if you called me Goldfish. Oh, you've been knowing me since the baby. Yeah, yeah. I used to. We had a cousin named Crust. I used to love for Crust to call my name. Come at Goldfish. Go, 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 oh Lord, I used to love to hear Crush call my name. Oh, man. Yeah, those are the days, y'all. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to say that I'm really happy that you that you decided to to do the story on on the Lasty family. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, we get accolades and get the glory, but they, you know, they they've gone into obscurity and oblivion, and so the fact that you're doing the story to to kind of put their name, bring their names back up, and to put their names back on on you know, out here, it's, it's, I, I applaud you and thank you so much for, for taking the time to do this. Yeah, and, I, and I also thank you too because I must say this is one of the first times that me and Hurlin really sit down and really expressed ourselves with our family and, um, and our history. Yeah, we've never done a, a, no. a, an interview together no, like this. This is the first time. So this is the first. And it won't be the last. Wow, that's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. Well, thank you. I mean, I hadn't. I'm having such a good time. So <laughs> I hope I hope you are too. And yeah, this has been really special. I'm glad you've enjoyed yourself, and I'm glad you've hopefully you got some information that you can use. Oh yeah. And uh, you know, thank you so much once again for you know for taking up this the, the cause and be, you know telling our story. Yeah, for sure. Same as you. For sure. Twenty. 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 I want to hear some, of course I do. I wasn't going to ask, but I, now I'm asking.
Thank you. <laughs>